You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is up, everybody? I'm so excited to be here with you live. Um, for those of you that have never met me before, my name is Matt Anderson. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. Uh, we've had a long run, a long, long run now on um, the iTunes and the Spotify and the the podcast streams. So excited to be here live with everyone tonight. Uh, for those of you that are joining for the first time, um, my name is Matt Anderson, and I am your host for all things Gamecocks After Dark. Um, excited, excited to be here with you tonight. Excited for this going live. It's it's been a couple weeks in the making, but at the same time, really excited that um, we're doing this together. For those of you that might have joined the show for the first time tonight with it being on YouTube, most of the time we actually record this podcast, and I say podcast because that's what it's been for a long time, but we actually record these shows on Mondays at around 9 p.m. and then around 9 p.m. on Thursday. So Mondays are kind of recapping the weekend, what happened in Gamecock Sports, and then Thursdays are usually previewing what's going to happen on the Gamecock sports schedule for the weekend. So going forward on Mondays, that's when you're actually going to see me in my face for radio, <laughs> as you can see right now. Um, but don't worry if you're not able to watch the YouTube stream, you're always going to be able to find us on um, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, wherever you, you listen to podcasts. So really excited to be here tonight again. And then, as you can tell, I'm really excited. I've said that 10 times now, but so last week was pretty tough. The Gamecocks traveled to Athens, Georgia. Gamecocks had, you know, what I would consider a phenomenal start to the game. The Gamecocks scored in the first possession. And I I don't wanna I don't wanna kind of put my skis in, in front of myself right now, but what I always do, and it's a little bit different being on camera. But what I always do is I kind of do a blow by blow on like what happened during the game, you know, the drives of the game and and just seeing, you know, where the Gamecocks did well when they when they didn't do so well. So we'll start that out right now on the first drive of the game. The Gamecocks actually got gifted a little bit of a um, Georgia error. The, the kick went out of bounds. So therefore, the Gamecocks got the ball at the at uh, 35 or 40. I can't remember. But. Gamecocks, Gamecocks did well in this first drive. I mean, you look at it, Spencer Rattler, pass complete to Xavier Leggett for 17 yards. Um, then you have, um, well, let's see, Luke Doty for five yards, obviously, yeah. Then Xavier Leggett for 15 or 17, so that's 22 yards right there. And a lot of times the Gamecock fans right now are hoping that let's, let's just start throwing the ball. Like right now it's so difficult with us trying to run the ball for one yard, maybe two yards, maybe three yards that, you know, let's just start throwing. And that's what the Gamecocks did. And if you look at this first drive, you have pass, pass, run, pass, 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 run. And then you have another pass. You have a false start on the offense, which is kind of mind-blowing that that's still happening. And then you have a, a pass to carry on. And then, obviously, Spencer Rattler completed a pass to Juice Wells on what was honestly one of the the most glorious and one of the most awful plays in recent Gamecock history, because, you know, going through this drive, and we'll talk about the juice well stuff, but, you know, Spencer came out on fire. 
five yards to Luke Doty, 17 yards to Xavier. Then you have to carry on going for a one yard rush and then a 15 yard pass to juice. Um, nothing to, to Trey Knox, you know, no gain on the play. And then you <laughs> Spencer Rattler completed another pass to Luke Doty, Mario Anderson with, which what I would say was one of the, the pivotal plays inside that, inside that first drive where, you know, it was third and one and the Gamecocks just said, Hey, look, we're, we're going to go after this and we're going to run the ball. We're going to, we're going to do something we haven't been able to do all season long. And the Gamecocks went out and Mario Anderson got one yard and then he got two yards. Then he got three yards. Then he ended up with seven yards. So a lot of the, a lot of the Gamecock fans that you've seen on the message boards right now are getting a little frustrated that it seems to be to carry on, to carry on, to carry on. Spencer Rattler getting sacked to carry on, to carry on, to carry on, you know, where, where are Mario Anderson and where are DJ Braswell? And I think that was something on the first drive where Mario Anderson got that seven yard push. He drove his legs the entire time. The offensive lineman got behind him and it turned a one or two yard gain into seven yards. And then, you know, I want to talk about this because I think about this first possession a lot. And Luke Doty was so involved in this, in this series. And, you know, it was a lot of screens. It, it wasn't really anything crazy down the field. And so I think about it and I wonder how much Shane Beamer and Dow Loggins are trying to set up something later in the year or maybe later in this Georgia game that just didn't come to fruition for, you know, maybe Luke to throw a pass or maybe Luke to run the reverse. I mean, you saw Luke kind of wrap around and go around Spencer Rattler on a on a, a something in a something or other play, and then all of a sudden he runs back out to the left. And if I'm thinking about the correct play, you know Spencer kind of fakes the throw. The defense kind of moves, and they have to adjust because what it, what's going to happen there is Luke Doty going to throw the ball downfield, or is Spencer just doing a fake? And then Spencer goes right back to Luke Doty, and it, it's a good gain there. So. You know, I, I, I don't know what hap- what's, what's happening there. I don't know what, you know, because everyone talks about, well, should we incorporate more of um, Lenore Sellers? Should we incorporate more of Mario Anderson? But, like, the first drive was picture perfect outside of the false start penalty um, on the offense, which, you know, took the Gamecocks from the, the Georgia 11 all the way to the Georgia 16. And... You know, and then after that, you you know, Spencer's still throwing, and Spencer throws the pass to carry on for a one yard loss, and then all of a sudden, Juice Wells does Juice Wells things, and that that's what was difficult for me because, you know, you see that, and everyone's been wondering like, when is Juice going to get involved? Like, what is Juice's injury? And nobody really knows what Juice's injury is. Um, I know that has something to do with his foot maybe a screw, maybe something in there. But like the coaching staff has been very much saying, look, this is Juice's business. We're not going to reveal anything. And I kind of get why they did it. So not, not upset there on that first drive, obviously, you know, to go 10 plays, 65 yards in five minutes and four seconds against the number one team in the country. Uh, maybe the number one defensive team in the country. I mean, I'm still, still saying the jury's out on that, but Still, Georgia's probably, probably a, a, a top five defense in the country at worst. So the next drive there for for Georgia, um, you got a Mitch Jeter kickoff, sixty five yards for a touchback. 
And this is what I was worried about when I talked to you guys on Thursday night, when I did my Georgia preview. I got a little worried about Georgia just kind of nickel and diamonding the Gamecocks down the field. And if you watch Georgia play, like it's it's not always that that monster pass down the field where you know it's like Southern Cow or it's just like electricity. It's always just like we're going to beat you to death on offense, and you're and we're going to suffocate you on defense. And that's what Georgia did here on the second drive. If you look at it, um, Dewan Edwards four yards, Dewan Edwards eight yards, Carson Beck to Cash Jones for eleven. Eight yards to Bowers. You got a loss of three yards, which, you know, big clap for the Gamecocks. We've all been looking for those tackles for loss. We've all been looking for those sacks. And the Gamecocks finally got on the board there in, you know, a second and two to push them back three yards. Like, okay, yeah, great. Make it third and five. That's that's what we're looking for. And, you know, right after that, Georgia followed up third and five with an 11-yard pass. So, you know, I say this all the time. It's like you got to get off the field in third downs. And I'm not I'm not someone that's telling you something that that nobody ever has said before. Like I'm not this football savant, but there are little things and and look, I, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, okay, well, this was the number one team in the country. Yeah, it was the number one team in the country. Like we all all read everything leading up to the game. We knew what Georgia has done for the past two years, but you still have to compete. And that's what the Gamecocks did, especially in this first half. And we'll talk about the second half later, but in the first half, the Gamecocks competed. I mean, TJ Sanders, who obviously is a name that all Gamecocks should know at this point, TJ Sanders getting there, sacking Carson Beck. It's one of the things I talked about on Thursday night. You or actually, Guys, it was Friday. I didn't get to record on Thursday night. But, yeah, on Friday, like, we had to have an – I say weeks. I'm a Gamecock fan. I, I pulled for the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks did have to make Carson Beck uncomfortable. And that was the first point of the game where it happened. And, you know, right after that, you know, loss of six, it's third and or, or second and 16. And then it, it's second and 16, a pass for eight yards to South Carolina 34. Okay, everyone said, great, it's third and eight. Let's just have an opportunity here for the Gamecocks to hold them to a field goal. But you also had a questionable penalty here. And we had, there was a penalty on DQ Smith. And I'm, I'm, I promise, like the same way, if this is the first time you're watching this, or it's definitely the first time you're watching this, first time you're listening, I'm not going to go drive by drive and give you the play by play because you all watch the game. If you're watching this, you watch the game. If you're listening to my show, you know, you watch the game, but there was a, I thought there was a questionable penalty holding on, on DQ Smith defensive pass interference. And if, if that hadn't happened, then then all of a sudden Georgia's trying a, a 51 yard field goal. It's a lot different than what happened after this. So you look at it and, you know, eventually they worked the ball down to the South Carolina 13 and field goal for Georgia. So seven to three, I've said this a million times on my show. The Gamecocks are always, and not just the Gamecocks, any team in college football, you should score on your first possession at least 60% of the time, in, in, in my opinion. So if you can score 60% of the time on your first possession, whether it's a field goal or whether it's a touchdown, now you're in neutral game script. And the more you can be in neutral game script or the more you can be in positive game script, the better. So 
At this point, South Carolina is up seven to three. Um, really excited for the game's going because Georgia, I'll be honest, like looking at this first two drives, South Carolina did a better job than Georgia. But you, you, you know, you have that field goal, and all of a sudden it's five plays, eight yards, two minutes and 16 seconds, and the Gamecocks punt the ball away. Um, and at that point, like in this game, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I was getting a little nervous just because, okay, well, the Gamecocks scored. Maybe, maybe Georgia's gonna make an adjustment, maybe South Carolina is gonna have to figure something out. I I just I just wasn't sure what was gonna happen. So Gamecocks get the ball, they punt it away, and then all of a sudden Georgia goes five plays, 19 yards in two minutes and 12 seconds, and Georgia's punted the ball to South Carolina. So okay, now it's a ball game. Now we're all excited. Like this is a this is a ball game. And then South Carolina gets the ball back, eight plays, 27 yards. Um you know, looking through this, nothing really that I'm upset about. It's just a good Georgia defense. So 7-3, and Georgia has a 13-play, 72-yard drive after the Gamecock punt, and they missed the field goal. Like, Georgia doing exactly what I was worried about Georgia doing, just meticulously working the ball down the field and just crushing the Gamecocks' hopes, and it didn't happen. The Gamecocks stood up, you know, that Georgia missed a field goal, it started feeling, and I'm not the first person to say this, but it's exactly what I was thinking, what probably you were thinking watching the game. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, is this shades of 2019? Are the Gamecocks, with a better offense than they had in 2019, going to do something? And that's that's what happened right right after that missed field goal. The Gamecocks go five plays and 80 yards in two minutes and 27 seconds. You know, looking at this, yeah, there was a face mask on Georgia, but you know, Xavier Leggett again came up huge for the Gamecocks. Spencer Rattler pass complete to Xavier Leggett for 35 yards. Just an absolute picture perfect pass that I think only Xavier Leggett can go up and get at this point for the Gamecocks. And and Spencer did a fantastic job there getting the ball down there. Then again, though, you have a South Carolina penalty, a false start takes the ball to the Georgia 20 and Spencer Rattler completed a pass to Trey Knox for 18 yards to get down to the, the two yard line, first down Carolina and to carry on Joyner does what to carry on Joyner does evidently. And he gets two yards. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way for to carry on, but he's averaging like 1.8 yards per carry for the season. So, I mean, I have no problem at all with to carry on getting that ball to start to start a drive from the two yard line. It seems like that's what he does well. So now we have halftime. The Gamecocks are up 14 to 13. And I mean, gosh, I mean, I had so many phone calls, so many text messages with people talking about like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. It's going to be the biggest win in Gamecock football history. And and look, I was right there. Like, I don't know of anybody that watched the first half and said the Gamecocks are going to blow it. The Gamecocks are, you know, going to do what the Gamecocks do. Like, like no. Like, yeah, everybody was worried about Georgia getting the, the kickoff to start the second half. But I don't know if it was Georgia sleepwalking, South Carolina being the, the best team in the country for that first half. But the Gamecocks were right there. And it's one of those things that as a Gamecock fan and everybody watching this, listening to this kind of knows where it's going to go from here. But 
like as a Gamecock fan, there was nothing but excitement and, and, and the Gamecocks earned it in the first half. I'll tell you that. So, you know, we go to the second half, um, kind of tough. Georgia gets the ball to start the second half, two minute and 40 second drive, six plays, 75 yards, five yards, nine yards, 36 yards, 15 yards, three yards, seven. And then, um, you know, obviously the Georgia Bulldogs are in the end zone. So it's 14-10 at this point. And, you know, this is that critical point in Gamecock football lately that I've talked about on this show for a while. But the Gamecocks have got to find a way to, you know, I, I think about football in the same way I think about basketball. Like sometimes football actually is a game of runs and basketball is 100% a game of runs. You know, for me playing basketball my entire life, I always said you want the first run of the game. You want the last run of the game and you want to play them even outside of that. And right now, South Carolina had that first run of the game and then they did not play Georgia even to start the second half. And they definitely didn't have the last run of the game. So you look at this, and after Georgia made it um, 14 to 10, Gamecocks, you know, got the ball. And, you know, looking at this, Gamecocks went, what is it? Let me find my spot here. Three plays minus four yards in a minute and 16 seconds. And this is the kind of thing that has happened way too often in Gamecock sports lately. When you have the opportunity to capitalize or to answer someone else's run, it doesn't seem to happen. And I don't know if this is just a, you know, a South Carolina curse. I, I do think that Dowell Loggins is a better offensive coordinator than what the Gamecocks have had for, you know, the better part of six years, you know, since Spurrier. So maybe we're going back nine years. Um, Dowell Loggins is a good offensive coordinator. I mean, a good offensive coordinator doesn't score 14 points in the first half on the number one, te- number one team in the country without being a good offensive coordinator. But like the, just to have three plays for minus four yards and, and let's look at it because a lot of Gamecock fans right now are talking about, okay, well, why are we running the ball on first down? Like, why is that happening? We're not successful. So why are we doing it? Well, on Joyner started this, and it was a, 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 from the South Carolina eight. And I guess if we should talk about this right now, you know, this is probably a point in the game when the Gamecocks, you know, I don't know, like you're you're inside the inside your own ten yard line. And what are you doing here? But so all of a sudden, on Joyner no run for no gain. So it's just still at South Carolina eight. And then Spencer gets sacked for a loss of four yards in the South Carolina four. And we're looking at third and 14. And what, what is Spencer going to do when the entire Georgia defense, all 11 guys are going to just bull rush the offensive line. So obviously it was an incomplete pass. Kai Kroger, you know, punts for 45 yards, but Georgia gets the ball at the South Carolina 49. So obviously not ideal, especially when, you know, Georgia's trying to take the momentum. And then Georgia does exactly that. You have a pass for 12 yards, a run for three yards, a pass for six yards, a um, run for three yards for eight yards, and then a 14-yard um, 
completion for first down and then a three yard run. So all of a sudden George is up 14 to seven now. Um, Gamecocks, Gamecocks were just, you know, not that great in the second half. I wish I had a different way to explain it, but you all saw it. It was almost like the Gamecocks just, you know, once, once juice Wells went down and once they just couldn't establish a running game, it, it was pretty clear, you know, what was going to happen. Uh, so South Carolina had opportunities though in the second half. Uh, Georgia missed field goal, Gamecock punt. Georgia touchdown made um, 24-14. South Carolina turns the ball over on downs. A uh, punt for Georgia, interception. You know, at that point it's 24-14. Spencer threw that interception with four minutes and one seconds left in the game. And, you know, I've, I've seen people talk about, you know, the different impact points of the game. Obviously, Spencer taking a sack. You have Xavier Leggett, you know, not fair catching a kickoff. You have, um, I think it was Trey Knox dropping, yeah, and then Spencer taking a sack. So you have those three things. And then, you know, at the end of the game, Georgia punted in another interception for the Gamecocks. It was, it was just pretty tough. I mean, you know, you recap this game, and to me, you know, capitalizing on UGA's mistakes, South Carolina beat Georgia in the first half. 100% they beat Georgia in the first half. The second half, I don't I don't know if if it's necessarily an adjustment thing. I feel like South Carolina probably felt pretty good about their game plan, especially coming in to the second half because, I mean, Georgia wasn't able to get much done. So I don't know how much of adjustments, you know, you can plan for. I mean, obviously, Clayton White has a lot of film on Georgia from the last couple of years. And maybe, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I was the person that was saying that they're going to nickel and dime down the field. But look, you see where I live. Like, I'm in the second story of my house in Florence, South Carolina. Like, I'm not living in a mansion. I'm not, I'm not living, you know, I'm not making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So who am I to judge Clayton White? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play armchair quarterback as as much as I want to. But the bigger things for me was, you know, capitalizing on on mistakes by Georgia. If you look at it, Georgia missed two field goals in the game. They went for it on fourth and fourth and one or something or something like that earlier in the game. Um, so if you look at those two missed field goals, and that's kind of what I want to key in on right now. So South Carolina followed, followed up one missed field goal scoring drive for a touchdown so that missed field goal in the Gamecock touchdown made it 14 to 3 if Georgia had made that field goal all of a sudden it's 7 to 6 and you know what, what's going to happen at that point now it's, it's a totally different game it's a one score game so what happens but the next missed field goal would have made it Georgia 20 South Carolina 14 so you know you have that missed field goal and all of a sudden South Carolina goes zero yards on three plays and puts it back to Georgia. And, you know, if you look at it from a different standpoint, I mean, South Carolina found a way to get three points there, just three points. All of a sudden it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tie game instead of, you know, instead of 17, 14, 17, 17. And that's a one possession game. That's a much different game. And look, I'm, I'm more saying this because like I expect all of you to know this. Like I'm I'm not, not saying that I'm the savant that knows something. And the Gamecock coaches staff knows knows this. 
but you had that point there you had to find a way to slow momentum and you know when i'm looking back at that point and if you guys bear with me first second so you have a missed field goal when it's 17 14 georgia and then the next possession it, it's just it's just tough because it's three plays to carry on joiner run for no gain Spencer Rattler, incomplete pass. Spencer Rattler, incomplete pass. And then you have a Kai Kroger punt for 36 yards. I mean, you guys get that because the next, the very next possession, Georgia scored a touchdown. So now it's 24-14. So obviously that that hurt. Um, another thing I want to talk about is like just cutting down on penalties. Carolina was called for 11 penalties in the game, and that accounted for 73 penalty yards. Georgia had six penalties for 43 yards. And some of that you can chalk up to youth and experience, you know, whatever you like to it up to. Maybe questionable calls by the by the officials. But you know that that's a big that's a big difference. Eleven versus six and a difference of 30 yards in the game and, and sometimes in crucial crucial parts of the game. Turnovers, um, South Carolina lost the turnover battle. Georgia forced two interceptions and South Carolina forced zero turnovers. And I'm not the person that's going to come here and, and tell you that Spencer, you know, put the ball in jeopardy because Spencer was pretty daggum good for a large portion of, of the first half and into the, into the second half. But when the Gamecocks were down by 10 points and you have no run game, what the heck else do you expect Spencer to do? I expect Spencer to be a gunslinger. I expect him to try and, you know, will his team to victory. And I've talked about this a lot. I mean, Spencer has an arm that is touched by the gods. Uh, I don't know of a quarterback that has more arm talent in the SEC and the nation than Spencer Rattler. Like, and and I'm finally excited that his processor, like his, you know, his processor is getting there because, I've always thought Spencer had the ability to do it. But what you're seeing now is like him not being in a Southern or not Southern Cal, but an Oklahoma offense where there are five people running wide all the time and there's no defense. Now his middle processor is having to go into over, over gear and he's doing a really, really good job with it. So, you know, I, I don't fault Spencer at all for those, those two interceptions. Um, that that's just what happens when you're playing the number one defense in the country, the number one team in the country, and you're having to put the entire team on your back. Um, I do want to talk about the run game really quick. At this point, I don't, I don't know what to do with the run game for South Carolina. I don't know if it's making subtle changes in practice. I don't know if it's making subtle changes in practice and the game, but they've, they've got to do something different. And you know, same way I talked about it earlier. Like, I don't know what to do. I wish I did. I really, really wish I did. Cause then I could tell you that South Carolina is going to be improved because of this thing that they're going to change. But South Carolina had 16 rushing attempts for 53 yards for 3.3 yards per carry. The sad thing is I think that was South Carolina's best yards per carry against a power five team. Cause I know it wasn't a good yards per carry against North Carolina. But when you think about those 16 rushes for 53 yards, and as I'm looking at it over here on my notes, eight of those carries were Spencer Rattler. 
and he had 35 of the 53 rushing yards in this game. And I'm I really don't want to be an armchair hindsight's 2020 kind of kind of analyst, which you know I'm doing now. And I really respect you know the John Whittles, the Tony Morrells, the the JC Sherberts of the world. You know, I I respect all those JB and Phil because you know we're we all we all have to toe that line. And it's hard for me to toe that line right now because I'm just looking for some creativity and some changes here on the running game, because what we're seeing is pretty one dimensional. Um, You know, I just want to take, I'm going to take a take a second and, and just look at some stats here. So bear with me, but you know, so far this season, North Carolina has given up 219 yards rushing on 44 carries for an average of five yards per carry versus Appalachian state. North Carolina gave up 170 yards rushing on 31 carries for an average of 5.5 yards per carry against Minnesota. South Carolina managed minus two yards rushing on 31 carries for an average of negative 0.1 yards per carry. So other opponents are averaging five, five plus yards per carry against North Carolina and South Carolina's not doing it. And look, I know that Spencer got sacked nine times. I know that it was a absolutely tumultuous performance from South Carolina against North Carolina. But when I look at App State and I look at Minnesota, like they figured it out. And they figured it out. Uh, Furman. Furman's given up, let's see, 86 yards on 31 carries for an average of 2.8 yards to Tennessee Tech. They gave up 160 yards on 40 carries for an average of four yards per carry to Kennesaw State. South Carolina managed 108 yards rushing on 39 carries for an average of 2.8 yards per carry. I'm sorry, but y'all cannot tell me that Tennessee Tech and Kennesaw State should have you know equal or better rushing numbers than South Carolina should against against Furman. So. You know, that's, that stuff's frustrating to me, and I wanted to go back and look at Georgia. And Georgia's given up 134 yards on 29 carries for an average of 4.6 yards per rush to Tennessee Martin, um, 77 yards on 28 carries for an average of 2.8 yards per carry to Ball State. South Carolina managed 53 yards on 16 carries for an average of 3.3 yards per carry. You just can't tell me. And, and make me believe it that UT Martin should have had more success on the ground against Georgia than South Carolina did. Like you just can't tell me that I'm not going to believe it, especially when I look at the season and South Carolina has 86 carries for 159 yards for an average of 1.8 yards per carry. 1.8 yards per carry. Decarion Joyner has 28 carries for 75 yards for an average of 2.7 yards per carry. Um, Mario Anderson, yeah, I get it. It's a small sample size. Eight carries for 41 yards for an average of 5.1 yards per carry. Look, something has to give. I don't know what it is, but something has to give. Like, they have to find a way to run the ball. They just have to. So... You know, looking at that, I mean, just kind of recapping it, Gamecocks, 
you know, they got to capitalize on opponents' mistakes. They got to cut down the penalties. I, I think at this point with the offensive line, the Gamecocks have to win the turnover battle each and every game. Um, yeah, and look, you know, think about it with this game in particular. I, I said it. Almost everything had to go right for the Gamecocks to to win this game against Georgia. The Gamecocks probably needed to force, you know, some turnovers. Gamecocks probably needed to do some things on special teams, maybe a trick play, maybe something where you know, at least just making field goals and putting the Gamecocks in field goal position. And then they had to have explosive plays downfield. And I just don't know, you know, where do the Gamecocks su- succeed there? Um, they didn't test Georgia with any special teams or trick plays on offense. I didn't see Lenore Sellers or Luke Doty do anything to kind of, you know, potentially spark the offense in the second half. I, I really did think in the second half, that was the time for a fake punt, a fake field goal, um, you know, just something to make Georgia not just play 11 on 11. And that that's what happened. Um, Georgia just played, you know, 11 on 11 football there. And the Gamecocks were never going to beat Georgia playing 11 on 11 football in the second half. That just wasn't going to happen. So the Gamecocks did get some explosive plays downfield. I'm not going to deny that. I was really excited for the Gamecocks and what they were able to do. I think that, you know, going forward, that that shows a lot of a lot of progress and you know things that can happen. But I mean, I guess, you know, looking at my my notes here, let's just talk about Juice Wells. I have no idea what to expect with Juice Wells. I don't know if he's going to be back next game. I don't know if he's going to be back this season. I don't know if he's going to be back in two games. Like, I just don't know. They've, they've kept that really secretive and I don't know. Spencer Rattler. I I wouldn't trade him for any quarterback in the country right now. I think that, you know, for the Gamecocks to win games this year, and I think they will win games and we'll talk about that later. Spencer is going to have to continue being Spencer. He's just a phenomenal player that does a lot for the Gamecocks. Xavier Leggett, um, what what can you say about that kid? I mean, Georgia was double teaming him, and he's still got like 75, 77 yards receiving. He's he's a he's a freak of nature, and he's he's going to continue to be a freak of nature. Omega Blake kind of had his com- coming out party. Luke Doty, I, I still think that you know when you talk about Luke, he's going to be a guy that is going to be involved in the offense going forward, and excited excited for Luke. Um, the running backs. We talked about it a little bit ago, and I'm going to lean on J.C. Sherbert, who is a good friend of mine, someone I respect a lot. I do think that, you know, Mario Anderson might need to be that guy that that rushes the ball inside the like inside the twenties, and then when you get in the red zone, you know, perhaps it's to carry on. I think that D.J. Braswell needs to get some more opportunities. I think that he has something on offense that you just can't teach. I think he's a guy that has some speed where if you get him a crease and you get him more experience, you know, good things will happen. Juju. I don't know about Juju. Um, you know, good player. I mean, I think, you know, an excellent kind of punt returner, what, what, what have you, but Juju has got to get in space to be effective. He's never going to be between the tackles runner. He just can't take 20 tackles or 20, 20 rushes and getting hit 20 times in the game. Um, you know, I don't think like 
you know, I heard this on JC's podcast earlier today and Phil and, and JB, I don't think that, that Juju's a guy that you can just put in slot receiver. I just, I don't, I mean, same reason everyone said, well, just make to carry on a wide receiver or make to carry on a running back or make to carry on a defensive back. I mean, you kind of are what you are at this point is, is my kind of take on it. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move Juju. I think you just got to find ways to make Juju effective. I don't know what's going to happen with the tight ends. I mean, Trey Knox and, and Joshua Simon are guys that I think that should be more involved. They, they really haven't been involved at this point. Um, you know, Trey Knox has had, had some drops. I don't know if, what the answer is for, for Trey. I mean, he, it's kind of uncharacter, uncharacteristic of Trey. He's always been like a sure-handed guy. He's always been a guy that, you know, can make the block, but right now he's not making the block. So um, Joshua Simon had, had some catches recently. He's a guy that I heard a lot of great things about in the off season. So I'm excited to see what happens with him. Offensive line. I mean, golly. I, it, I mean, big tree is the answer at left tackle. If he plays like he did against Georgia, the rest of the season. Um, I mean, PFF gave him like a 90 plus grade or something like that. So um, be excited to watch, watch big tree kind of grow. Um, Sydney Fugar, I, Fugar, whatever his name is. I mean, I had high hopes for him. I don't know if Jackson Hughes gets back in the mix, but right now it might be a mental thing. It might be a, it, it might be a speed of play. I don't know, but right now I just can't, I can't see him being the answer long-term. And, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, maybe there'll be some shakeups. I don't know. Um, defensive line, TJ Sanders obviously had a, had a fantastic game. Um, other defensive tackles, I mean, Alex Huntley and Taka Hemingway, I, I know that, you know, we all had high hopes for them and I think they're doing their job for the most part, but I just, I don't know. I mean, Clayton White's never forced a lot of tackles for loss. He's never forced a lot of sacks. I don't know what they're being asked to do. I know that they're, they're talented players. And, you know, if you look on the big spur, there are some posters that are pretty good at, at looking at you know, different kinds of different kinds of film and just trying to figure out what people are trying to do. And they, they all say that the defensive line's performing pretty well. I'm not a defensive line expert. You'll have to, you'll have to lean on JC Sherbert there. He, for my money, I think that JC Sherbert's the best defensive line analyst that I've ever met and ever read work from all that kind of stuff. So ask JC about the defensive line. Linebackers, Debo Williams, I mean, he's a heat-seeking missile. He's a guy that I love watching play. I'm excited to to watch his career develop. Stone Blanton, you know, Stone's a guy that, you know, he he might not be the fastest. He might not be the quickest to diagnose plays, but he's a, he's a really good player, and he's being asked to play a lot of snaps right now. Uh, I think that, you know, just looking – Looking at the snaps from last game, you did see Pup Howard come in for a little bit. So maybe maybe Pup can spell him a little bit. I think that you know the sooner they can the Gamecock staff can find a way to get Pup Howard on the field at you know maybe an edge defensive end linebacker, outside linebacker, middle linebacker, like just get him on the field. I don't care where. I think I think it's gonna be pretty good. Um secondary, I had no issues with the secondary at all. 
I thought that they largely played a great game. Special teams, not really much to judge them on. Um, I kind of want to pull this up really quick. I don't know what Kai Kroger did punting. I just know that I, I've been a little curious about Kai to start start the season. But, you know, Kai Kroger had five punts for an average of 100, 100, five punts, 189 yards, and an average of 37.8 yards per punt. He did put three inside the, the Georgia 20-yard line, three of his five, so that's 60%. Um, so far this year, um, you know, he's averaging 43.5 yards per punt with a long of 60. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he's looking, I guess, okay, and I think that Kai is kind of the scapegoat right now for a lot of Gamecock fans that are that are looking for a reason to get angry. But looking at the rest of the season, rest of the season outlook, you know, obviously you have Mississippi State this weekend, 7.30 p.m., sellout game in Williams-Brice Stadium under the lights. It's a pretty pivotal game for South Carolina. And we'll talk about more of, the, more, more of this game on the Thursday night show. But, you know, the, the Bulldogs are 2-1 and one on the season. Gamecocks are 1-2. and two. Um Mississippi State Bulldog fans are not happy with their season so far. If you look on their message board, there's a lot of a lot of Bulldog fans that kind of feel like the Gamecocks are going to blow Mississippi State out. Uh, all I can say is if you're a Gamecock fan, get out to Williams-Brice. It's a sellout. Maybe you already have tickets, but get out there if you can. Tailgate, maybe find some tickets on your way in, but it should be an electric environment in Williams-Brice. And if it's anything like Furman was, and I think it'll be a little bit better than Furman, you know, get out there and you'll really enjoy yourself. But looking through this, I mean, after after Mississippi State, you go to Tennessee on September 30th. It's been announced as a 7:30 kickoff. Um, Tennessee will likely be three and one on the season. Um, Tennessee kind of has a get right game against um, the UTSA Roadrunners ahead of the matchup with South Carolina. So Tennessee will be three and one and South Carolina will either be one and three or, or, or two and two, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to even say that out loud, but um, Gamecocks have a bye week after Tennessee, you know, I think that the bye week is a good opportunity for South Carolina to make some more moves. I, I think that big tree is going to be the left tackle for the foreseeable future. I don't know if Pup Power comes in the mix at linebacker. I don't know if um if Trevon Bow comes in and, and man's another spot on the offensive line. I think it's probably necessary. I know that the injury to Marky Anderson wasn't what the Gamecocks were looking for. Um that that was pretty tough. He's out for the year. I don't know. Maybe running back makes maybe make a change during the bye week at running back because you know if to carry on does what to carry on's done so far and no disrespected to carry on. I think he's one of the, one of the best all time Gamecocks, you know, maybe not skill wise, but just what he personifies on the field, the way he leads in the locker room. It, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to take him out of the lineup. But I mean, if he hasn't done what he needs to do, then, you know, maybe you're looking after that bye week for some stuff to, for some stuff to change. But, you know, Mario Anderson is there. You have, 
you have um, DJ Braswell, you have Juju McDowell. I mean, something's got to change in the running game. Otherwise, the Gamecocks just aren't going to be successful. You can only throw Spencer to the Wolves so many times before he breaks down or the wide receivers break down. And, yeah, so I think you're looking ahead. You got Mississippi State. You got Tennessee. I think both those games are winnable for South Carolina. As I've said for a while, I think that the the Tennessee game is probably going to tell the tale for South Carolina going into the bye week. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're if you're one in four going into the bye week, you just you can't you can't be there. Like you got you got to find a way to win one of these two games, preferably each of these games, to get yourself to three and two going into the bye week. Then you got Florida, you got Missouri. You got Texas A&M, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, um, and then Clemson. So Gamecocks still have a lot on the table. Like, And I feel like I've been doom and gloom for the last couple minutes on this show. But the Gamecocks still have a lot to play for. I mean, Mississippi State, the Gamecocks have to win that. I think that going into Rocky Top and sending a message, I don't think, you know, especially watching that Tennessee-Florida game, and just seeing, you know, the deficiencies that Tennessee has that we've kind of talked about on the show. I think their defense is pretty elite. I think Florida's defense is pretty elite, but I don't think either offense is very good. So I would rather play a bad offense right now from South Carolina than play a really good defense. And I think that's the case for Mississippi State. I think it's the case for Florida and Tennessee. So, you know, don't look now, but the Gamecocks, you know, could roll off three in a row going into Missouri and then Texas A&M. And, you know, you look at that last, those last couple games um, starting in November, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, those should be two wins. um, Kentucky at home, Gamecocks have a chance in that game. And then Clemson, look, I don't want to get too far, too far ahead of ourselves when it comes to Clemson, but they have Florida State this weekend. That's going to tell us a lot about Clemson and, you know, a lot about Florida State for that matter, because, you know, if it's the Florida State team that played against LSU, Clemson might get run out of their own stadium. If it's the Florida State team that played against Boston College, then, you know, we have we have bigger problems for Florida State. Um, and for those of you that don't know, um, my wife is a Florida State grad, so I'm, I have extra motivation this week for Florida State versus, um, versus Clemson. But, you know, Clemson still has at Syracuse the weekend after Florida State. Talk about your ultimate trap game. Syracuse has always been a thorn in the side for Clemson for a multitude of different reasons and different seasons. But then they go at my, they have at Miami, they have at NC State, they have Notre Dame at home and North Carolina at home all before they play the Gamecocks in Columbia. So as I've said all year, I mean, Clemson could be a three or five loss team by the time they come to South Carolina. Or, I mean, if they play like a totally different team than I've seen so far, they might be a one loss team come to Carolina. So, you know, I'm still excited for the season. I think the Gamecocks can still get to seven, eight wins. I'm I'm going to hold off on nine. I feel like I should hold off on nine right now, but seven or eight wins. And then I think that you're going to have a a big moment there in Columbia when the, when the Tigers come play, come to play the Gamecocks and looking for the Gamecocks to get two in a row there. But Look, we're coming up on almost 50 minutes now. I I just want to say anybody that's joined tonight, anybody that's been a part of this ride with me for the last 
you know, 20 something podcast and now coming to YouTube. I'm so excited to share this time with you guys. I hope next time y'all put some more comments in there because I didn't get any comments and I'd love to love to have conversations with all of you. But um, for those of you that don't know, you can reach me at the late night Gamecock show at gmail.com or on the big spur.com um, under the message boards. You can find me. My username is Matt Anderson. I'm always around to talk to you guys and have a good time. And let's make this Monday something fun. I know that coming off a loss to Georgia, not that much fun, but you know, let, let, let's get excited for Mississippi state game. If you guys are going to be at the, at the game, I'll be at the game. So hit me up on the big spur on late night Gamecock show. And, and we'll try and meet up either during the, the tailgate time or, or maybe during halftime or right before the game. I'd love to, Love to meet all you guys. And if you haven't subscribed to the Big Spur, go subscribe to the Big Spur. You're not going to find any better content. I mean, if you guys are hanging out with me at 9.49 on a Monday night, then you guys are, are really looking for some Gamecock, Gamecock sports news and conversation. The Big Spur is 24-7. So anytime you go on the Big Spur, you're going to be able to read threads. You're going to be able to have a good time with folks there. Um, obviously if you haven't already downloaded the chief sports network app, go ahead. That's where you're going to find all of these shows like mine, um, like JB Phil and JC, you're going to find the, the JC and, and, um, oh my gosh, Mike Morgan show, um, blanking on, there's so many shows I can't keep track of them. So make sure you, you log on to the, the chief sports network and, and, and get all this stuff live. I think um, Phil Cornblute has some live stuff there now. So just really excited to spend this time with you guys. And I appreciate all of you giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. And I will talk to you Thursday night. Have a good one.